You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to take a look at Derrick Henry, the threat he poses, and what the Bengals defense is doing to prepare. We're going to cross over with Tyler from Locked On Titans. I know a lot of you are pumped up for that, and we've got some news to hit, some encouraging news that we're going to start with. Today's episode is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Go check it out, onlinegambling.com slash NFL. James, let's start today with the news. The biggest item of the day is as things were looking like they were trending in the right direction for Trey Hendrickson, on Wednesday he practiced in full, which you would assume means he is well on his way. They've got a walkthrough coming on Thursday. Friday uh, is, is as in the regular season or Friday would be a Saturday in the regular season, the day before the travel day. Yeah. Yeah. Travel day. And and then Saturday, of course, the game. So tomorrow, Thursday, when you're listening to this walkthrough day, expect to see these guys go in full again, unless something unforeseen happens, but great news for Trey Hendrickson, because one of the areas where the Bengals can attack and, and find a matchup in this game is rushing the passer and you know game script is going to play a big part in this you're going to hear us say the words game script a ton between today and tomorrow and if the Bengals get a lead and they can let Trey Hendrickson pin his ears back good matchup over there with Taylor Luan but you know you kind of like Trey Hendrickson there that the Titans have given up a ton of pressure this year and Tannehill like Burrow taking a lot of hits taking a lot of sacks and a lot of pressures turning into sacks and that has been a consistent trend for Ryan Tannehill in this Titans offense. Yeah. And so you have Hendrickson on the one side, and even if Luan has a good day, well, now it takes pressure off of Hubbard to be the dude and he can be one of the dudes and it's just the ripple effect on down. And so I totally agree with you. Like if they were going to get pressure on Ryan Tannehill, it was hard to, and I asked Joe Goodberry this, I was like, all right, so if they don't have a couple days ago, you should go listen to it. If you haven't, Uh, I, I was like, all right, well, if Hendrickson isn't out there, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to get pressure? And he was like, well, oh, that's a good question. Pretty much. Right. <laughs> because it, it was a hard to find a realistic path to that happening consistently. Well, now it looks like Hendrickson's going to be out there. He was smiling at practice today. I was out there uh, watching. So good stuff uh, there and uh, good stuff for your boy, Josh Chupo. He practiced again. He was limited, but practiced again, as did Stanley Morgan Jr. So uh, you know, in both of those guys, crucial, obviously, Tupa, and we'll get into Der- to Derrick Henry. It goes without saying there. But Stanley Morgan Jr. does matter in the run game. Like, he does. Like, they use him that way. He matters. And uh, having him back would be nice. And as we say every time we talk about him, fantastic special teamer. And the Titans have one of the better special team units in the NFL by most metrics. Fun fact, James. Wait a minute. I might be. Nope. I'm right about the special teams. Uh, fun fact, James. Using pro football fo- focus rankings, guess where the Bengals ranked in in pass blocking? Just just for fun. Just pass blocking. ballpark it. I'm going to say it, it's not the worst. It's certainly not the best. 20th. It's pretty close. They're 8th they're worst 
in the NFL. So what is that? 2024? Yeah, pretty close. So guess guess where the Titans ranked in pass blocking in PFS rankings? Fourth worst. 28. Oh, 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 wait. Whoa. All this talk about Akeem Adenogy being so bad in the right side of the line. Man, oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Wait, do the Bengals have edge rushers? Oh, wait, you said that Trey Hendrickson was back this hmm. week. Okay, interesting. That's How about all. that? Interesting. Isn't that weird? Like, <laughs> who, who who knew? How are they going to protect Joe Burrow? Oh, wait, Ryan Tannehill has protection issues too. Funny. And, and on the other Funny. side, David Questenberry, the guy that's playing right tackle for the Titans, yeah. is is probably their worst offensive lineman like taylor the one that might be a little bit of a strength on strength thing like colton miller last week who gave up or i guess it wasn't colton miller but the bengals managed to get trey hendrickson on a tight end and we know that the titans like to play a lot of 12 13 personnel so if lou anarumo can work that matchup in his favor and get trey hendrickson on a tight end again last time we saw that it ended in a strip sack and nearly a touchdown for larry yogan joby who i hope is on the mend and getting ready for that surgery uh, the Bengals did, speaking of Larry Ogunjobi, sign Zach Kerr off of Arizona's practice squad. No, that's not right. Yeah, it is. Steve Kerr's oh. younger brother. Go ahead. Right. Not not actually, but go ahead. Yeah, they're not even a little bit related. Zach Kerr, much, much larger. Has played a lot of football. 31, I think. 30, turning 32 this year. Yeah. Uh, You're a veteran. veteran yeah. And ha- has played this year. I expect that he would push Tyler Shelvin, honestly, for playing time this week, James. I I think that, you know, Shelvin may not be ready for this moment, but at the same time, if you're the Bengals coaching staff and, and, you know, I'm not privy to their evaluations of practice, but you might look Mm -hmm. at it and say, we have this massive guy who we can plug in there against Derrick Henry and Tyler Shelvin. If he can play well for us, that can make a huge difference. Zach Kerr, is a big guy as well. 6'2", 334 he's listed. And like I said, he's he's played a ton in his NFL career. Throughout his career has generally been a, a run defense situational player for, for Indianapolis, for Denver, for Arizona. And so maybe they see him as a guy that they can plug and play as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage this rotation, how many guys they activate. Maybe they get an extra defensive lineman up this week to to help keep guys fresh, especially with with Josh Jupo going through it a little bit. And the reason I like this signing the most, honestly, the experience. Like at this stage, I don't want to bank on a young guy who's never been there. And yeah, you know, you're not going to find an all pro, right? There's a reason why he was available and on the Cardinals practice squad. That said, productive last year when you look at, you know, PFF metrics and things like that. And can he give you the 10 snaps needed or the 15 snaps needed? Maybe because guess what? He is fresh on a practice squad. How excited was everybody to get Mike Daniels and and that unfortunate injury? It was like, oh man, you have this veteran who's fresh that might be able to give you pretty high level play for a month. Maybe he can't do it for four months, but maybe for a month. And I'm not even saying that they're going to need Kerr to do that, but he might be able to give them a little, a little bit this week. And I agree with you. I think you add someone like that because you're like, eh, I don't think we're banking on Shelvin here. Let's go with a guy like Kerr. We can teach him the, you know, the ins and outs. And that way, if Tupo does get banged up, we have someone else to slide in there that we, uh, you know, believe in. And then uh, one more 
notes thing before we get to stopping Derrick Henry and hear from Mike Hilton and DJ Reader. Friend of the podcast, Brian Callahan, set to interview with the Denver Broncos for their head coaching vacancy on Thursday afternoon. It's going to be virtual, so uh, good luck to Brian. Uh, Although he was asked about it on Wednesday, and he's like, look, when I'm preparing for this interview, it's an honor to, to do the interview. It is not happening during work hours. So it's probably been a long uh, couple of weeks for Brian, but uh, you know, hopefully he, I, I hope he does well in the interview. And then I, I, I hope he puts together the best game plan of his life for, uh, for Saturday's game against the Titans. Yeah. He said he's hundred percent focused and that's, that's what you want to hear from your offensive coordinator heading into the playoffs. And the defensive coordinator needs to be focused too. We didn't hear from Lou Anarumo on Wednesday, but the, the big test is, Derrick Henry, how is he going to impact this game? The Bengals defensive players are ready for it. They're thinking about it. We'll hear what they have to say and talk about what the Bengals can do to help deal with the threat that is Derrick Henry. We're all looking for an edge these days. Right now, the Bengals looking for an edge on the Titans, looking at the film over and over and over again. And, well, we'd like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's show. And this week, they've challenged me with picking a divisional round upset. And see, normally I make my prediction at the end of the week, but I got to tell you, I'm feeling what's going on in Nashville right now. And last I checked, the Titans are favored. So who knows? Maybe uh, Uno, Jamar Chase, and the crew get it done. But OnlineGambling.com is going to give you an edge this season, wagering on any game, including the divisional round of the playoffs this weekend. If you're thinking about backing an underdog in the divisional rounds, make sure you head to onlinegambling.com before you do. And you go there right now, in fact, onlinegambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge this weekend and throughout the playoffs. Remember, onlinegambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. Derrick Henry, James, obviously going to be a pretty big factor in this weekend's game, or maybe not. I have a fun stat for you. Before we dive in too far Ooh. to the Derrick Henry stuff, our our pal Tracy McBrady, Tracy McBrad, EY underscore on Twitter, has a fun, fun little stat. We referenced his Joe Burrow common uncommon splits last week. And when Derrick Henry's faced DJ Reader's team, Going back, because they used to be in the same division, DJ Reader, very familiar with Derrick Henry and the Titans when he played with the Texans. In 2017, DJ, DJ Reader played, of course, for the Texans against Derrick Henry twice. Henry in the first game, six carries, seven yards, no touchdowns. Second game, 11 carries, 109 yards, one touchdown. Good game. Had a big explosive run. In 2018, eight carries, 30 yards. In 2018, second time, 18 carries, 56 yards. In 2019, 21 carries, 86 yards. And in 2020, 18 carries. Actually, in 2020, DJ Reader was on IR when they played already. So you look at all those games, not a whole lot of success for King Henry against DJ Reader. Now, this is absolutely just correlative. And there's a lot that goes into this. And there are other players. Run defense, very much an Mm. 11-player effort. But Mm. DJ Reader is the linchpin of the Bengals' run defense. He, Sam Hubbard, those linebackers, BJ Hill, Josh Tupa, whoever's out there, Trey Hendrickson to some degree, but he's he's our pass rushing guy, right? We we like him more as a pass rusher than a run defender. DJ Reader, the linchpin 
and was one of the guys that talked about it. But Mike Hilton, who, you know, honestly, James, I'm going to be curious to see how much Mike Hilton's on the field this week with how much the Titans like to get heavy personnel on the field. But Mike Hilton, a good run defender, is ready to face Derrick Henry and that mean stiff arm if he has to. On you, um, you know, it, it might seem easy the first, second quarter, but towards that second half, you know, just constantly tackling him and it, it definitely wears down on you. And that's that's what they thrive off of, just constantly running the football, trying to wear you down and just make it difficult for, for, for defense to tackle him in the fourth quarter. So we know as a defense, we got to get a lot of heads to the football and uh, gang tackle. You want to keep him contained as best you can, keep him in between the tackles. Um... But, you know, they're going to have some scheme runs and um, we'll have to adjust accordingly. His stiff arm, you know, he's obviously got one of the best stiff arms, um, probably the best stiff arm in the league. Um, and so you got to understand that when he puts that up, you got to try to, you know, make make ways to, um, you know, we call it like swipe on, swipe off techniques, to try to get it off of you as fast as you can and try to get get within him to grab him and, and bring him down. They'll do some good things in the run game. Um, but we're excited as a D-line, you know, it's a big challenge for us. And it's a challenge, and we're going to go out there and accept, and we're going to go out there and do our thing. So I think everybody's excited about it, but it always starts with us up front. So we got to always create that special moment up front and just create the game going from there. It's going to start and end up front every game. Definitely weighs on you. You know, he's a big back, but, uh, you know, you got to do your job of not letting him get going, getting out there and, you know, putting hits on him, make sure we're wearing on him just as much as he's wearing on us. I love that mindset. You know, make sure we're wearing on him just as much as he's wearing on us. And that's what they're going to have to do, right, is is it's going to have to be bodies on bodies. I, I know someone – I didn't put together the clip, but someone asked Logan Wilson about being one-on-one with Derrick Henry, and if he dreams about that. And he's like, well, it's going to happen, but no, I don't dream about that. I want to – I dream about gang tackling him, basically. And he didn't say it like that, but who, who the hell wants to be in that position, right? That's not, uh, that's not what you want going up against someone like this. You want to be able to uh, tackle him with five or six guys. But something you mentioned, Jake – it was on our Wednesday show and I can't get it out of my head. It's the, the PFF split stats about him getting to the edge. Cause we're talking about DJ reader and up the middle. And so if it's him getting to the edge, to me, it's going to be such a complete team effort. So I'm talking both linebackers, Pratt and Wilson. You're talking about Mike Hilton. You're talking about Chidobe Awuzie and, and Eli Apple, even Trey Waynes, right? You're talking about all these guys moving obviously goes without saying Von Bell and Bates because they, you know, the way they move around, but all of these guys could be in the open field with him and it might not be deep downfield. Like normally you think of a defensive back downfield with a running back. Well, it might be three yards within, you know, within three yards of the line of scrimmage. And it's time for Mike Hilton to, to try to tackle Derrick Henry. Mike Hilton's not a big guy. And so that's the part where, uh, where it could get quite challenging. But I, I do think, and this is a short clip, that Mike Hilton's strategy against Derrick Henry's stiff arm is uh, is quite comical. Just shot before he before he shoots his, you know. Um, he everybody know he's a guy. It's gonna take him a couple steps to get started, but once he gets started, he gets rolling. So as a defender, you you gotta just be quick to pull your trigger, and you know, uh, hopefully, he has success. Yeah, that's that's really astute for Mike Hilton, who's obviously watched a lot of Derrick Henry this week and is preparing to physically deal with him, but. The guy has long speed and everybody that's watched any football in the last three years knows this. And, and a lot of his productivity comes on breakaway runs. The last few years, he's he's going one and a half breakaway runs per game. PFF defines this as runs that are 15 yards or or more. 
This year, before he got hurt, he was at nine in eight games. So a little bit behind that pace, but was starting to pick up. And he always seems to be better in the winter months, in December, in January. And so when you think about that, that aspect of his game, tackling becomes so important, containing the edge with Sam Hubbard, with Trey Hendrickson, whoever's playing that other side, becomes so important. Run support from your corners becomes so important because you miss one tackle and you might not get another chance with Derrick Henry in the open field. And that's why that's so important. You've got to at least slow him down, give your other guys a shot if you can't get him to the ground yourself. And when I think about this, I think about Jesse Bates a lot. And if the Bengals put him in the box a lot, last week we saw the the Raiders take advantage of Jesse Bates in the box a couple times on some runs. And so it'll be interesting this week. I know Luana Rumo likes to move guys around to be flexible and be multiple and present a lot of different looks to the opponent. But, you know, this is a week where you put Jesse Bates in the box and Von Bell deep and the Titans are out there in 13 personnel and they're ready to run the ball. That's not the safety you want in the box in that that situation. I think Luana Rumo knows better. I think he knows how to put his guys into a a position here that will be advantageous to them. But big game for tackling. And I think that's especially true for linebackers and and safeties because the Bengals really rely on those safeties to come down and and play and run support. Yeah, I I agree with you. I want to see plenty of 24 in the box. You know, 30. I want to see Jesse Bates jumping over Julio Jones for a pick, right? Like that, that's what I want to see. And that's still a lot to ask because Julio Jones is still a freak, but you get my point. Um, uh, the Derrick Henry stiff arms, man, that's scary to me because you, you'll get made. You'll look like a fool if you, if you come at him wrong. And, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick's the guy I think about who's got, you know, been victimized of, of multiple stiff arms over the years. And obviously he's not on the team a- anymore, but uh, if there's one cornerback that's got, just crushed by st- stiff arms over the years. I think Lev Bell in his prime got him a couple times. Cool. It was Dre. So hopefully none of these guys get put on a poster on Saturday. Dre and uh, Josh Norman. Anyway, oh, let's yeah. Josh let's, Norman. Oh let's get into our crossover, James. I, I know Josh Norman on the other side of a few Joe oh. Mixon stiff arms oh. in his <laughs> life, but we're going to cross over with Tyler from Locked on Titans. That'll be coming up in just a minute. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and you're renting it out, or maybe you're getting paid in crypto and you're not sure how it's taxed. Maybe you just started a business. Well, TurboTax Live experts, they can help you get an even greater refund. Whether you launched your own startup, whether you're working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes, TurboTax can help you this tax season. So visit TurboTax.com to learn more. And an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you get your taxes done right. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live and TurboTax.com. Let's keep things going here on Crossover Thursday. Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans along with James and myself here to continue talking Bengals Titans as we gear up for the divisional round and Tyler, obviously the the headline this week for the Titans is Derrick Henry's return. I think that maybe overshadows the fact that this entire offense is as healthy as it's been all year. Have have there actually been games? I, I truly don't know the answer to this question. I didn't get this far yet this week. Have AJ Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry played in games together in, uh, in 2021? 
only 120 snaps out of 1,130 were they and, on the field together at the same time. So, so the vision hasn't had a chance to come together. And, and now in the playoffs, you're, you're going to see a chance for that to come together. What's that going to, mm-hmm. what's that going to look like? I know the Titans in previous years, like to get Derrick Henry going, like to get the play action pass going with Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. keep him really efficient. Is that what we should expect to see this week with these guys healthy? Yeah, 100%. And because of the Titans threat in the run game, you see a ton of stacked boxes. I mean, it's eight-man boxes pretty much every snap, which when you talk about eight-man boxes, that means you're going to get a, you know, a three-person shell. You're going to get a cover three shell with the two outside corners, and then you're going to get the high safety. Well, that works into the Titans' advantage, and they took advantage of that a lot against the Texans in Week 18, obviously. The Houston Texans are not the Cincinnati Bengals, but the idea remains the same. On one circumstance, the Titans went with a play-action fake out of 12 personnel with Julio on one side and A.J. on on the other. A.J. Brown runs the deep post, and what's the deep safety going to do? He's going to, that's A.J. Brown. I'm going with him. And that leaves a one-on-one opportunity with Julio Jones on the other side. And Julio's been a disappointment this year if you look at the raw numbers. But if Julio Jones can make plays in the playoffs, it'll make the trade worth it entirely. And Julio's looked great here recently. He had, in my opinion, his best game of the year in Week 18. Um, So I think when you consider what that creates, one-on-one opportunities for Julio Jones and having Derrick Henry back, because, you know, people have compared, and maybe you guys saw, the, the yardage, for the eight games with Derrick Henry compared to the to the games without Derrick Henry, the yardage was almost identical. But it's the scoring ability. Deontay Foreman's going to take it for 12 yards if it's blocked right. Derrick Henry's taking it to the house. So the points are totally different, not necessarily the yard. So having Derrick Henry back with what they're seeing from Julio Jones and those one-on-one opportunities, it just creates an opportunity to score much more points for the Titans. So I I think that they're hoping that they can finally put it all together. But, you know, from the negative perspective of things, there's no chemistry there. There's not a lot of reps there. So you don't want to be ironing things out in a divisional playoff game. So that's something to monitor, of course, as well. Uh, Two two things. Is is Julio 100%? I would imagine he played Week 18, had okay. Mm -hmm. And he looked at, I saw some videos. Heck, you might have tweeted him. I saw some videos of him. He looked pretty good. Giant man, freak athlete. Uh, yes. Speaking of freaks, Derrick Henry uh, looked good. I know Vrabel talked about he needs to take contact and and stuff this week. Mm-hmm. Do you imagine full workload? Because even if he isn't 100%, you know, if you lose in the playoffs, he's got plenty of offseason to recover. So I imagine full workload for him this week. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting. And, and this is kind of my philosophy with it. They've been kind of holding Julio back throughout the year, limited reps, even when he played. And in my opinion, from watching on the tape, I've seen him go a little bit harder uh, in certain times than he's going at other times. So I think there was a general plan that they were going to kind of keep the Lamborghini in the garage or just take it for a spin around the block not take it 120 down the highway. And like with Derek, the, the point is for me, it's time to take the Lamborghini out 120 miles per hour on the highway with Julio and like that. There's no looking back. If you lose this game, Derrick Henry gets the rest for multiple months. You know what I mean? If he is able to play, he needs to be out there. Everybody's real happy about Deonta Foreman, and I get it. He's been a solid fill-in. But we're talking about a guy who was on the couch halfway through the season. Derrick Henry is most likely a Hall of Fame running back. If he's healthy enough to play in the game, he's healthy enough to get the full workload, and the Titans need to go with that. So my expectation is 25 to 30 carries for Derrick Henry. 
I have a, a kind of follow-up question, I guess, that's related mm -hmm. there. It's, it's two questions, and one's kind of a hypothetical, but let's start with, sure. the, with a simple one. If you win the coin toss and you're the Titans, do you defer it, or do you make a, a unconventional choice and take the ball to try to get Derrick Henry going before you could potentially be down seven points? No, you absolutely do not. You defer every time, always, okay. no matter what. That is my philosophy, and Got that— it appears to be Mike Vrabel's philosophy as well. And I just want to say this quickly and let you get to your next question. You know, there's this theory that if you get the Titans down, you know, they can't run the ball. They can't. It's just simply not the case. Uh, the Titans were down 24 to nine against Seattle in week two, and they stuck to who they are and stuck to the plan and came back and won that game. So uh, the Titans don't change their philosophy when they get down by a touchdown or by, they were down 10 to nothing to San Francisco in the first half, and they stayed with who they were. And that allowed them to come back in the game. If you just try to go all out and pass the ball with Ryan Tannehill, he's not that guy. You know what I mean? So you're going to get yourself in a worse spot. So even if the Titans get down seven to nothing because the Bengals score on the opening drive, I don't think that would deter the Titans from, you know, sticking with what they do. Certainly not early in the game at the very least. There, there obviously right. comes right. a point when, you know, second half, <laughs> yeah. if you're down 14, mm -hmm. you, you can't necessarily stick with the run at that point. And I guess you kind of answered the, the other part of this and the hypothetical where the game script doesn't go the Titans way. Yeah. They are down, say, 10 points midway through the third quarter. Does the offense change at that point? Or or is it going to be, we're going to keep running Derrick Henry, even if we're down in the second half? I mean, obviously, the, outside of extreme desperation mode, mm -hmm. is is there, what, what's the tipping point, I guess, for, for the Titans offense when the philosophy does change? Sure, I would say three scores. Um, three scores in the second half. If the Titans are down 17, the Titans are down 21 in the second half, then you have to change your philosophy. It's it's just simple time management at that point. You know, you, that's what you would have to do. So if the Titans are down three possessions in the second half, I think that would um, require a change in philosophy. But, you know, obviously the Titans are hoping that's not the case. <laughs> so so no For major sure. concerns with, with pass protection. Then I'm just looking at the splits roughly – Six to five run to mm -hmm. pass to run plays this year for the Titans. Mm -hmm. Pass protection when you're when you're on your script, not a huge issue. But Ryan Tannehill right. has actually been pressured at a higher frequency than Joe Burrow this year. Is that yes. a concern at all for you? Yeah, it's absolutely a concern. And I mean, we can talk about the Bengals offensive line all we want, but the Titans allowed 47 sacks this year. They've been hideous at pass protection, quite frankly. There's no way around it. So if you've gotten to a situation where the Titans had to abandon their typical game script and go, you know, with a more pass-heavy approach, I think that would be a major concern because now, you know, not only are the Titans getting away from what they do, but now the Bengals can say, oh, okay, it's time to pin our ears back. We don't got to worry about Derrick Henry in the run game. We're getting after the quarterback. And if you have Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard going one-on-one -on -one against David Questenberry over and over with no threat of the run game, Tannehill might as well just dial 911 now. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, pass protection is an absolute major concern. The Titans have been doing a ton of chipping with the tight end, keeping the back in. That obviously puts more pressure on the wide receivers to get open because there's not as many guys out in routes. But, yeah, it's absolutely a concern, and that's why it's not just important for the Titans to keep the game close because, you know, they want to stay with what they do, but they're going to be extremely vulnerable if they have to change what they normally do because of those pass protection issues. So, again, the Titans have to be hoping that uh, they don't get themselves in that position. And if you look at Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel's 8-0 with extra preparation time in his head coaching career, whether that be coming off a bye or coming off a Thursday night football game. The margin of victory in those games is nearly 17 points. 
So I think right now, if you ask the tight, if you put the Titans brass on true serum, they would tell you there's not really a chance they're going to be down by that much. But me, someone from the outside looking in with this Bengals offense, it's absolutely on the table. Yeah, let's uh, let's stick with Ryan Tannehill before you switch gears and talk about Mike Vrabel's defense. Um, sure. Ryan Tannehill, what has he done best this year? Is it the play action and, and stuff like that after Henry gets going or they get that running game going? And and what's he been worst at? Because, uh, you know, is it turnovers or what is it? Because uh, obviously there are tiered quarterbacks, and you mentioned yeah. that Ryan Tannehill's good, but, right. you know, he's not on that tier where it's like, all right, we're down 17, let's unleash him. Well, I think one thing that he's been doing is he's just taking what the defense gives him. He's done a lot of dump offs to running backs. He's hit the tight end after a chip, things like, especially with all of the injuries the Titans have had at wide receiver. They've been running practice squad wide receiver groups out there for a lot of the season without Julio, without AJ, lost Marcus Johnson, lost Cam Batson. So Tannehill's just taking what the defense has given him. And I think that's been something that that I like seeing from him on, on the other side of things. His, you know, we talk about Joe Burrow's pocket movement being elite. Tannehill is just awful in the pocket. He has no feel for the pressure. You know, fans are screaming, step up and run, step up. It's just not what he's going to do. You know, if you get him on those bootlegs and you get him on read option, he can get out there and run on the perimeter. But Tannehill just does not navigate the pocket very well. You have to give him a clean pocket for him to operate. So that's one thing. And especially this year with the struggles in pass protection, that's been illuminated even more that, man, Tannehill really struggles to kind of navigate and move around in a muddy pocket. He doesn't do that very well. So those are kind of the the best and the worst from this strange year because the Titans have just been missing so many of their weapons for so long. He's taken what what the defense has given him when he doesn't have weapons open downfield because of the lack of talent, and he's been pretty bad in terms of his pocket movement. But hey, that's been the case with Tannehill since he came into the league. He's always had bad pocket awareness and, and bad pocket movement. But what do you expect when you get you know basically a guy who is supposed to be – everybody talks Tannehill was a wide receiver. They bring it up every single game, it feels like. Well – Sometimes he plays quarterback like a wide receiver. <laughs> I guess if you get the wide receiver snaps, you, you can take the position off the label, but can't take the position out of the guy. I don't know. That's exactly. not a very good way. I get to put where it. you are going let, with that. Let's uh, let's flip over to the defense for the Titans real sure. quick here before we wrap up. the The big question for me is: we talked about it a little bit uh, uh, in the earlier segment. The Titans very multiple on defense what are you expecting this week from a coverage perspective are they going to look at what denver did look at what oakland did and play off and and try to cloud one side of the field and and try to keep everything in front of them or do you see this as a as a game where they're gonna try to get creative and try to send guys and say our dudes can hang with your dudes uh, I think that, and this is a compliment to the Cincinnati Bengals offense, but I think the Titans are going to play this like they do when they play the Bills or the Chiefs. I think they're going to say, hey, Joe, take your five, six yards, you know, uh, go ahead and matriculate the ball down the field, 12, 15 play drives. And guess what? We think you're going to make a mistake. We think we're going to get you into the red zone and we think we're going to be able to hold you to field goals, which if you look at the game last week, the Bengals had to kick four field goals. So if you're the Titans, you're thinking, hey, our defense is way better than, than Vegas. 
we should be able to hold the Bengals to some field goals. But like I mentioned, that the stat earlier with the 21 plays of 20-plus yards for a touchdown, you just absolutely cannot let this Bengals offense hit explosive plays and, and get big shot plays down the field. You're in trouble if that happens. So the Titans are going to say, hey, we're going to play off, we're going to play too high shell, and we're going to see if you can make these 12-15 play drives and score touchdowns and be perfect. All the way down the field from a coverage standpoint, you're right. The Titans are super multiple. They run cover one man. They run, um, you know, cover one with a robber over the middle. They run a lot of cover three, especially on early downs. But one thing that they do mix in is cover two invert. And I personally think that is a very smart plan because one thing I notice is the Bengals offense likes to use vertical routes on the inside with the tight end and the slot wide receiver to open up uh, digs and open up slants to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. And you can't put yourself in a bad spot where... You know, like last week, the Raiders, they had a linebacker who would just run vertically with a guy, and it would just open up a huge hole in the middle. The Titans can't allow that to happen. So if you go with cover to invert, and you have the cornerback that's on T. Higgins playing a deep half, and then you have one safety playing the other deep half, you can take your other deep safety, which is typically going to be a Monty Hooker, and slide him into the kind of the honey hole, uh, or the hole in cover to that middle hole in the middle, and then your linebacker who's your underneath defender, doesn't have to run with the vertical route. You can pass that off to Amani Hooker and let him take it, and then the linebacker can stay in that you know second-level range to try to take away those, slant, those quick slants and those ends from the outside wide receivers. So that's one specific coverage that the Titans have run throughout this year that I expect them to use in this game, but they're going to do it out of cover two or, or out of a two-high shell, and I would expect that to be the plan going forward, make them do those 12, 15 play drives and earn everything that they get. Yeah. It, it, so let's say they, they do convert on a couple of those, you know, to, mm-hmm. let's say first you know, two of the first three drives, Joe Burrow takes them on two double digit play drives. They, they end in scores. Will Vrabel adjust a lot? Cause the, the Bengals defense, for example, I know they'll adjust. They'll change things up on the fly yeah. if they need to. Mm-hmm. Is it, will they, let's say Chase has eight receptions, you know, midway through the second quarter. Do you think mm-hmm. they'll they'll cloud him then in in and just say, all right? Or you think they'll press him a little bit and, and cloud him and say, all right, we're gonna do this instead of what we've been doing? Yeah, I would think they would have to at that point. Okay. And one thing that I kind of help that I think helps the Titans a little bit, while these players are different, obviously. The Titans played Jalen Waddle in week 17 with the Dolphins, and the way that they played coverage, it was almost like they split the field down the middle all the way, and they said Jalen Waddle's side. You get four guys. The other side, you get three guys. And the Titans were playing different coverages on different sides of the field. And they were saying, we're not letting Jalen Waddle beat us in this game. We're going to do everything we can to avoid that. So I would say that if Chase just starts absolutely roasting the Titans in that way, I would expect the Titans to absolutely adjust and try to take that away because Rabel's not just going to sit there and let one guy kill you over and over again. A page out of Bill Belichick's book there. Absolutely. Different coverages on different halves of the field. Remember reading it was Chris Brown's smart football about mm-hmm. Bill Belichick's defense years ago. Tyler, appreciate the time and thoughts. Should be a really fun game. I think that, you know, the three-point line that, that Vegas has given is, is pretty interesting. I think that it's, you know, being in Tennessee uh, does throw a little bit of an X factor into things for the mm-hmm. Bengals where Joe Burrows made good use of the hard count. So going to be really interesting to see how this one plays out on Saturday. So appreciate the answers and the insight into how things are going in Nashville. And that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network and have a good one.